I'm finna put all this in my book bag, cause I'm from the streets. Yeah, yeah. And boom, what's going on? It's Akil Ambition Phillips, and welcome to the Break Into Security Is It Broken podcast. And our first guest, our first guest is a special guest, uh, very close friend, right? You have known him, has known, known you for years. What are we going on right now? Like, uh, man, about 12, 13 years? Oh, definitely high school. Yeah, years. like yeah, yeah, it's definitely over a decade. Definitely. Oh, maybe I would say fifteen. Yeah, long, yeah. longer than we've had careers, and it just so happens we've ended up with uh, pretty successful careers in the same industry, right? Um, definitely. So, definitely. Uh, without further ado, my man, my guy, Patrick Genty. How you doing, Patrick? I'm all right, man. I'm doing pretty you? good. I'm doing pretty good. Now, we did skip over some of the accolades that you've uh, accrued among, uh, over the years, right? Um, so since we've, um, since, you know, high school days, when you were going to East Boston, I went to uh, one of the schools that had broken down to, uh, they had broken Southie into, right? Um, talk yes. about what happened first. So I remember first was, both graduated, went to the Marine Corps. How does this end up in security? How do you go from Marine Corps to security? So for me, I mean, I, and I want, I want to back up to the high school years because I remember in high school, there wasn't that many options. Yeah. I think when I was walking through the, the halls of East Boston High School, I think my definition of success was just graduating mm. from there. You know, there wasn't really much you know, second and third echelon thinking past right. that. So for me, I think that the first time I ever heard someone says, you can do whatever you want to do was that Marine Corps recruiter. And I think that's what kind of stuck out to me. So that that's really interesting. I, I signed up. For, yeah. So I signed up for the Marine Corps and I really didn't have an idea of what I wanted to do because in my mind, I was just going to take the opportunity to kind of get my life back on track. I was a horrible student. I was horrible. Like if I was there, I was horrible, but half the time I wasn't there. So was it like they were glad you were there or were they glad you didn't show up? Like what type of horrible were we talking? I think it was, it depends on the teacher. (laughs) I think it depends on the teacher because some teachers are like, I hope this kid doesn't show up today. And then other teachers were, I hope this kid shows up today because I was really on the cusp of things. I was really sitting on the fence. It could have went, it could have went all the way left. But luckily, it did not. So, yeah, I joined the Marine Corps, and the Marine Corps provided me nothing with opportunity, nothing but opportunities. Mm. Um, and I think the first opportunity they provided me, because I went in sort of open contract-ish. Okay. Uh, yeah, because I think back then, they were just doing fields. Like, you got into a field back then. So I got into the communications field. But, I mean, luckily, I was smart, so I tested right. well. Right, so you, you got into the ballpark, and... You know, for, for our listeners, uh, for those of you listening, the communications field is pretty broad, right? Um, but it does include your IT, uh, all of the, um, anything that you can think of when you think of communications and think about how that is expanded into digital communications. So all that's expanded. Um, so you did get into the field. Where did, where did you land yeah. specifically? Was it like, were you adjacent? Were you good enough to like, get in there and grab like some of the uh, certifications and have the Marine Corps pay for it? Or were you just like 
through the yeah. looking glass. W- where were you? Okay, so that's where I got lucky. I will say that. So, because um, I remember talking to our recruiters back then, and I was asking them like, "What kind of work can I expect mm-hmm. to do?" And because uh, we had one that was a radio operator, so he was like, "You probably do that." Or and we had from his experience, he was saying things like satellite communications operator, things like that. So I really. I mean, it was a mixed bag. I just didn't know what to expect. And then by the time I finished school, like training, mm-hmm. uh, I ended up being a technical controller, nice. which nobody knew what, what it was. Uh, and essentially, if you could think about it as this way, it was a person who they didn't know everything about all the different types of communications that the Marine Corps was doing mm-hmm. at the time, but they knew enough to make all these things work in you. Okay, nice. So like a like a technical version of a project manager more like a like a architect so so to speak true like so if i would translate it to civilian i would say it was a network architect uh it's a lot of troubleshooting that's when things get into because the uh network engineer might not understand why his data isn't flowing through the satcom engineers stuff so that's when we would get into the particulars like, okay, well, this is, this is the format it needs to be. Back in the day, it was a lot of uh, turning analog things into right. digital, especially with everything going over an IP after a certain time. So it was a lot of that. And I think it allowed me to touch different things. So I did some system as administra- administration. I did some network administration. Um, I did some radio frequency nice. stuff uh, and ultimately dabbled into cybersecurity as well, as which which was good because it kind of opened the doors to many things and it was a great resume builder as well. But then as the Marine Corps does its thing, uh, they said, we don't need this job anymore. Mm. So I had to do a lateral move, which is I had to find a new job essentially. Okay. So my thing was, I'm not going to waste any of the stuff that I had learned because I had learned a lot right. of stuff, especially because uh, I had a great mentor I went to Afghanistan and he told me like, Hey, there's a world outside of this Mm -hmm. and you could take care of yourself really well if you buckle down and do what you got to do. So while I was in Afghanistan, I was taking care of all the communications into Afghanistan. So if you called someone, yeah. So if you called someone in Afghanistan in 2011, you're welcome. If you sent them an email, you're welcome. Like, <laughs> so. it, and you said in 2011. So, so I'm, I'm trying to think, where was I in 2011? I'm still in Okinawa. I'm doing some of these same things, but maybe for smaller exercises um, in Thailand exactly. and Philippines. But you're saying forward deployed. Exactly. If you were with a particular unit, you were the guy, right? And exactly. thinking yeah. back to the Marine Corps, uh, if you served in the Marine Corps, you know how this works. But the reason that's so possible is that when you get a group of guys and you go, OK, well, I'm going to teach you guys a skill. A, a couple of them are going to get it. A couple of them are going to go home and create home labs and really, you know, give themselves over to the craft. And a couple of them are going to go, this is really stupid. I came here for a check and a meal. So, you know. Mm-hmm. And that, that's how a lot of people yeah, carry it. Sure. So if you do take uh, opportunities serious, uh, they can take you far. And that's what you're describing here, right? So definitely exactly. kudos to you. Exactly. So at, at what point, now you mentioned looking for a new job, where did you jump to 
or did that include getting out of the Marine Corps? And, and at what point did you think about getting out of the Marine Corps? So uh, this is important too, and I want to stress this to anybody listening that is in the military, mm-hmm. right? Getting out of the military for me was a five-year decision. Because Same. Yes. Same. So, I did an yes. entire yes. Uh, enlistment just to get ready to get out. Exactly. 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 And that's, that was my mindset as nice. well. So I realized, I realized this wasn't a 20 year thing for me, but it could be five more years. Right. So I signed on to do, so I, so I, I aimed to get everything out of the Marine Corps and give the Marine Corps everything I had left um, in those next five years. So with that lateral move to get a new job, I moved into a job that I know that I could easily get into. So I went from uh, being a technical controller to a communications administrator for top secret networks. Okay. So is that... It's, uh, so a lot more... I'm oh, trying. 21651, right. Okay. That's what I was saying. 21651, nice. yeah. So. And and that that's a niche market in of itself. Did it come with... Um, not just the technical components, but did you get to throw some open source intelligence in there as well? Did it? Yeah. Nice. So it's a lot of touching that as well, uh, which lends well to cybersecurity because it's not just because at that scale, when you're talking about top secret information, mm-hmm. you're you're really talking about CIA confidentiality, integrity, and availability of right. information, right? So that's when it becomes most important. So that stuff is just drilled into me. So I took that opportunity. And while I was doing that, I was getting my certifications. So I got A plus, net plus, sec plus, CEH, CASP before I got out. Um, So essentially, I was averaging a a certification a year. Um, uh, I did a deployment again, I went to Spain. uh, And I was you know, doing that, but I, I was strategic about getting that deployment because I knew that, you know, in the military, we have this person called the monitor who's essentially like uh, the man when it comes to like, hey, sending people your where personal, they want to go uh, where they don't want Personal go. travel guide. <laughs> exactly. So I was like, hey, if I'm going to talk to this guy about getting uh, the place that I want to go, I need to have all my ducks mm-hmm. in a row and make sure that you know, if I ask them, I've done my part. So while I was on deployment, like as soon as my boots touched the ground, I was like, hey, look, uh, I'm trying to get to Maryland. I'm trying to work nice. for a, the, a three letter agency there. You know, and for those of you listening and where you did, you probably didn't understand when he said Maryland. Maryland is home to uh, it's right there by D.C., but a great base that's right there in Maryland is Fort Meade. Fort Meade has. Uh, all of your secret inch eye, private eye guys uh, that you may be thinking of, right? Um, Three-letter agencies, your um, CPTs, which are cyber protection teams. So um, a lot of very skilled people in this area. But continue, continue. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, and then he had no leg to stand on to say Mm no. So like, I'm doing my thing. I'm getting my promotions. You know, I'm a... I'm a senior sergeant at the time and I'm on a deployment and, you know, people, people don't want to go on deployment. I'm like, so like I'm doing all my things. So said, yes. Um, I came here in 2016 
Um, and then it was two years nice. left. So then it was it was real strategic after that. It was the work we had to do because what we did, even though I was in the military, we directly supported uh, the three-letter agencies here. So I made sure to directly support things that would build the resume, right? Because I'm always thinking about, you know, two steps ahead, like two steps in the future. Right. Like what can I do today to make future me uh, happier and in a better right. position. The the you of today has so, to look back and be able to thank you from yesterday for the work that you did. Exactly. 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I did a lot of system administrations work, started touching Linux in an operational environment, nice. you know, uh, and really beefed up that resume. So then uh, by the time I got out in 2018, it was a smooth transition. Like it was legitimate. I, like I was on terminal leave, had a system admin job, and I was making a hundred and twenty. Shut up! So you did you the know? same exact thing I did. Yeah. Your story correlates with mine so yeah. well, right? Um, I think the the main difference is I went my first job in. I went into a job that everybody was like, "What is that?" Right? Um, it's like system administration for this system that keeps planes in the air, alims, right? Um, so okay. I got to bust my Linux chops in that on that side with the air wing. But, you know, a mm -hmm. couple of years down the line, it's time to reenlist. I actually lap moved as a cybersecurity technician. So I got to work with some 2651s, mm -hmm. very skilled, talented system administrators. Right. And you were right yes. to go that direction. And that was even why I asked about the cyber threat intelligence. But even to the same exact year that we got out. Right. So I got out in 2018 as yeah. well. And uh, I picked up my DD-214. Those are, for those of you listening, those are your freedom papers, right? <laughs> those yeah. are your freedom papers, right? Uh, so I picked up my DD-214 yeah. on Friday, and I was at work uh, at top three car manufacturer in the world um, at Monday, right? By Monday. So oh, yeah. That, yeah. That, that's the uh, perfect time, that double dip. <laughs> that, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I did the same thing. I was uh, uh, I got out on a Friday. It was definitely a Friday because, man, it, it was kismet. It was like the day I'm sitting, sitting outside the iPad just mm -hmm. waiting. Right. And that day, like I couldn't do anything because I was just getting out. Right. And uh, there was a I guess let's say it was like a group run and a group sounds small. Right. But if you're in the military, you it's understand not. a group. <laughs> It's a very large amount of people. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like, a like, so it was essentially everyone on the base. Yeah. You're, you're talking running. easily. You could easily hit numbers in thousands. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. And it was that many people. And while I was sitting there waiting outside IPAC, I was like, yeah, this is the right. Thing. <laughs> like, cause I think, <laughs> cause I'm just seeing like literally a thousand people running by having a bad You know day. what? And I'm like, yeah. You know what you're touching on that I think we, uh, and if you can relate to this, let me know. Because as technicians and as mm -hmm. technical people that have mastered a very technical craft or you start getting into a technical craft, when you're in the military, you have to also do things like PFTs, which means you get to get, get up very early in the morning and go run, do pull-ups and do all of that stuff, right? Or a CFT or... Or there's mm -hmm. this gas chamber. There's all of these extracurriculars that you stop thinking are fun after you do it year after year when you don't want to, right? So I could see it, that. It, 
Yeah. It can sometimes start to feel like that stuff gets in the way. Did you start feeling like there was a clash between your military career and this skill that you were mastering? A hundred percent. I think that for me, you can't be great at both. Mm. And I think that the, so I had a Sergeant Major say it like very well one time. He said the, the military is not uh, hard. No, it's not. But it is demanding. But it is demanding. It, and that's the difference. You know what? The, it, right? It's like a, it, I've been watching a lot of videos lately on dog training. Stay with me here. I know I'm, no, I'm going off to yeah. the left. But um, right. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of videos on dog training. And that's kind of a very similar principle where it doesn't seem like it's very hard, right? There's a lot of really easy dogs that are great for beginners, but it's about that leadership, right? And mm -hmm. I think the military just kind of impacted me the same way where this isn't hard, but because it's so easy, you can, you can mess up very crucial things, right? Like you can make decisions that would be out of character, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that's really where the discipline comes in. It just is like, you know, don't get so bored that you do something stupid. Don't get so focused exactly. on, you know, well, this is getting monotonous that you throw away what you've been building something towards, right? Like, so th that's what I, I yeah. thought of as soon as you said that. So 2018, you walk into a 120K a year gig, right? So you sit in lovely, start your career off amazing. You have these career builders. How long do you stay in that first job? And I ask this question as a fellow transitioning veteran. I know that first job can be mm -hmm. rocky, right? I know there's yeah. a, a ton of anxiety. How long do you stay with that first one? And what causes you to leave to jump to job number two? For me, uh, I got lucky. My first job was amazing. Like nice. I still talk to... There was a team of four guys and we still talk. We were texting like the other nice. day and we still meet up for like happy hours and stuff like that. So I got really lucky with my first job, man. Um, and it was also supporting the military, which was a nice transition, mm. right? You know, I was like, I was in, like I was in uniform a month ago, you know, so I can like really relate to the customer. So I was really shining. Um, and the work wasn't too difficult. Um, and I would say that I stayed there for a year, exactly a nice. year. And so it was a good transition. Like it was a good, tra stayed there for a year. Uh, I got some more like system admin chops some virtualization chops nice, as well. Nice. And, and I'll be blunt. What, what changed the game was, you know, I'm thinking, I, I don't think we understand how much money is out here. Woo. We out. Say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think we understand how much money is out here. So I'm sitting pretty at, you know, 120. Mm -hmm. And then somebody and, calls you one you know, day. I'm, 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 and then I'm like, hey, I'm not really entertaining offers because, how, how'd you I know, know, I'm not even trying to get into a debate with you. And then you're going to try to lowball me. And then he was like, bro, we're talking 150. You said, excuse and I'm me? like, we can talk. <laughs> I'm like, we can talk. As you should. We, we, we can talk, right? Yeah. So, and and that's the thing, too. And disclaimer. I think that. I think, you know, but at this point, we have both learned that, right? And I'm I'm just kind of speaking for you here, right? Just kind of give the audience mm -hmm. a little bit of a yeah. respite. But, 
look, at this point, we've both learned it's not all about the money. There is some work-life balance. But if you've done eight years in the Marine Corps, right, This the, the jump that we're talking about is you're maybe going from $45,000 a year, depending on where you're stationed, to now you have a real increase in income. It's not that you chase the income. It's, you know, if, let's talk, you know, pretty frankly here. I was cleaning toilets for nine years. I want my comeuppance, right? That exactly. That's genuinely exactly. how I felt about it. Yeah, because you were essentially, I mean, my nose was to the grindstone for, I would say, a solid solid five yeah. years not counting the time where my first enlistment where i was just you know you know lollygagging about stuff like my, my nose was to the grindstone for a good five right. years you know like you know not making that much money you know doing what i was told you know and not really being able to make decisions for myself in terms of like day to day but i had a long-term goal and my goal was to you know build build myself up so and I'm at that point now where I'm built up. So this opportunity comes along. It's 150. How how does yes. this opportunity change the game for you? Because my, my understanding of new job roles is every time they call me, I'm sitting on the phone thinking, how does this expand my experience so that I can become a more rounded, a well-rounded candidate so that I can gain more experience? And, you know, our, our mentalities seem pretty similar. So I'm wondering, what are you thinking when they're on the phone and they say 150? What else are you looking at that may cause you to go no or cause you to go, yeah, definitely with this 150? Okay. So for me, when I pick up the phone and they are talking about a position, I want to know, number one, kind of the title. I think not not as important as like a name, but as important as what will I be doing, right? And uh, depending on the title, like there's a difference between an administrator and engineer nine times out of 10. You know, sometimes there isn't, you know? And and I, th- I want to be clear about this job where um, that was the case right. here. You know, I left, one reason I left my job was the change from administrator to engineer, mm. right? In a lab environment. So I'm thinking, okay, my this is going to be a better look for me, right? Gotcha. I don't even stay at that job for six months. So, because, and I want to be clear, mm-hmm. it's just and like you were saying, it's not just about the money. It's about is this job today going to set me up for my job tomorrow? Wow. And it was. So I I love this. I didn't know this story. We didn't talk about this story beforehand, but it's just the facts mm-hmm. of the job market that I know, right? Um. I had something pretty similar happen, right? Um, offered more money. I know my mom is coming to come live with me and my son is coming back out. So I'm now thinking about this in the rational head of household frame of mind. And I go, yeah, let me go ahead and jump, right? And I didn't think about personalities. I didn't think about what I wanted out of my career, right? Ended up staying there for about a year, left, and then walked into not only the most hiring, uh, most the highest paying job that I've had, uh, which actually was um, a role as a consultant. This was a contract I had, and I was getting paid corp to corp. Mm-hmm. From there, I stepped into what is currently like my dream role, where I'm a cybersecurity instructor. I have these opportunities to go out, get more certifications, and you know expand the way that I'm teaching and doing podcasts and those sorts of things. But 
you're you're completely right when you say that it is about having your nose to that grindstone for a number of years because mm-hmm. if you just chase the money you're going to end up in a role where somebody's asking more and more and more of you and sometimes it's for things you may not believe in sometimes it's worse than mm-hmm. some, being something that you don't believe in it it's for a role where you really are working for the money and you have enough time to go home sleep and come back to work right and working to make yeah. a lot of money just so you can go home sleep and go back to work is the worst prison you can put yourself in it's like you have oh, the yeah. world you know you have the world at your fingertips you have all of these things that you want to go do but you never have the time to do it so that's why the work life balance is so important my my question is where do you go after 150 i know for me um once you start getting into those numbers you either go up or you have to accept that you're going to stay the same or go back down right um mm-hmm. so where do you go after 150 oh uh, as you crazy. should as you should <laughs> <laughs> like, i don't know what you're talking about that second one's not the second so all right, so back to the 150 job. I think for me, it was a different kind of prison because it was sometimes you're getting paid to be a butt in the seat, mm. which is nice. But I think there's an aspect to this where you have to stay sharp, right? Do you do you want comfort or do you want career growth, right? That's what the challenge is there. You're yes. 100% correct. Yeah. And that's my that was my thing. I was like, "All right, I could do I could do this for 5 years." But, you know, when I start interviewing again, am I going to be a, a, a dead light bulb? Mm. Like, am I, am I not going to be hip to the new things that are out there? You know, because technology changes, you know, every rapidly. 18 months yeah. rapidly. So am I going to be like, I was legitimately, you know, it was an engineer job. But all I was really doing was racking a server, slapping some, an OS on there, you know, and calling it a day. It, it was, it's one of those jobs where uh, they pay, they have somebody in a role that they pay a whole lot of money that does nothing, right? And I, I speak candidly about this because, you know, we're all professionals. We know the truth, right? There's usually somebody in that yeah. role that does nothing, but what they do extremely well is they speak the language of leadership and the leader, the language of executive, right? Then they bring you in and you're the guy that can plug the hole, right? Like you're the guy that can do the work for the checks that this guy's mouth is writing, right? Mm -hmm. So they have to pay you a lot. Otherwise, this guy doesn't look good, but they can't pay you more than this guy. And the reason I bring this up in terms of pay dynamics is I, I once worked for this director who was former military as well. And I tell my students about this all the time, right? He once had to pay a data scientist, and data scientists are not cheap, like by any stretch of the imagination. So yeah. you're talking 200k and up, right? Um, mm-hmm. And he has me in his office, right? And granted, we're all making really decent money, but this is to show you how sometimes these uh, things can get very petty and stupid. He's complaining about what he pays this guy. I'm the guy doing the work. And this guy makes my life much easier because now I don't have to dive into researching about a data science um, 
formula for me to use with Splunk. This guy knows it right off the bat, or he can craft a new solution right off the bat, right? I don't have to do all of this work. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take me three days to do it. I can focus on being a security engineer, senior security engineer, not a data scientist. But yeah. this guy's mad that he has to pay him this amount of money, sends him off, mm -hmm. right? Sends him off. And it's like, great. Now we have man hours that need to be expended here in the you know, amounts of 40s, right? Which means it takes your people now weeks to do something that it took this guy a couple of days to do just because you were yeah. upset about the difference and his words exactly, he pays this guy more than he gets paid. It was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think <laughs> that that's was a, the one. That's a, that's a big... I think uh, project managers, especially in IT, have to swallow that pill sometimes. I, you know, because it's like you got this expensive person with an expensive skill yeah. set and it's like they're they're rare like we're like we're super rare so i don't know sometimes it's, it's you're paying someone just to keep their talent not even to do a job half the time and i i think it's also if you are that type of talent you know you do have a, a pretty decent responsibility if you go out there and you go find yourself specializing and getting a skill make sure that when you show up you're being valuable because if oh, not, yeah. you're going to see a lot more of these tech layoffs, but I I haven't been affected by them, and hopefully I continue not to be affected by it. Hopefully, yeah. you know, nobody... Uh, I do know a couple of people being affected, but a, a great problem is you go out, you pay for these specialized people, you expect them to do the tricks, right? Like, let's be honest here. This, yeah. this is about business for these companies, mm -hmm. not about you finding a home. Um, so you go up from there and this is now you're no, no longer a butt in a chair right now now you're no longer a seat filler yeah. you're moving on into a new role and what's this new role and how does it actually help you expand your career yeah so this role was important this role right here is when i moved into security full nice. time no longer pushing buttons no longer racking and stacking like i moved into security full time and essentially and I'm still in this role. I've been in this role for about three years now. And I'm a, I'm essentially a security engineer slash um, security control nice. assessor. So it's funny. At work, I got, uh, remember the dude from Recess? Uh, which one? And the dude who, the dude from, uh, he used to have the notebook. Rand out. Randall? And then whenever they would use it, Randall. Yeah, snitch, Randall. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, you Randall? So that's my profile picture at work. <laughs> <laughs> so what's funny about this to me is num number one you, you have the best of both worlds so engineering and auditing exactly wow right so w the reason i'm impressed by that is there's usually technical people who are engineers and then you have your grc analysts who are your auditors and um technical people are usually like no they want nothing to do with the paperwork on this end and the paperwork people want nothing to do with the technical work on this end. So you actually do create this unique skill when you're able to merge both worlds. You really know what you're talking about as an auditor and you really know what the requirements are as an engineer. For sure, yeah. And that was ultimately the goal, right? To merge the two and then just be that kind of person because, and I'll be honest, like I think for me, where I wanna head towards is probably like C-level suite nice. type of things. And I think 
if you want to merge these two, if you want to be a C, if you want to be a CTO, and then you got a CISO under you, and then you got a you know another technology officer under you, and you have to be able to merge these two things and then provide the board with you know accurate perception on what the company needs to do in these situations, technology wise. Right. You know, you can't just know how to set up routers, servers, and all these other things, how to get things going and not know how to secure it. And I think that's that's a big gap. And that's why a lot of cybersecurity professionals are winning right now, because that's a big gap, you know, because people will say, hey, I just want to make it work. Well, and it's like, all right, it'll work. But it might but cost you. Right. And that that's one of the it big might cost in the long run, I think. And I just finished my first master's. And, nice. Uh, Congratulations, by the way. I'm, uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, like we did a lot of deep diving into how much this stuff really costs these companies. Mm. And it's like, yeah, you got this stuff. And, you know, I remember we did we did a, a thing on Target. I think they paid hundreds of dollars per incident. And we're talking about wow. like an incident is like, and, and, and I'm saying an incident is like, let's say you got a database of like a million people's names. That's $100 per name. Right. So this is where that's a lot of money. You see uh, Uber just came out. They had th this was an interesting year for Uber. Right. Or last year was an interesting oh, year yeah. for Uber. They had finally paid for their uh, fine for a breach that happened back in, I believe it was 2016 or 2018. Right. And they dropped one hundred and sixty nine mm -hmm. million for that. Right. Then they had oh, yeah. this multi fatigue or MFA uh, fatigue attack, multi-factor authentication fatigue attack. Right. Where they just mm -hmm. spam multi-factor authentication uh, request and somebody gets a breach on them for that. Then before the end of the year, they get another breach. Right. Mm -hmm. So I 100 percent agree with you with what you were uh, saying there. Because when you start counting up how much uh, how much money these breaches cost, it, you're right. It's hundreds of dollars per record that is spilled um, for, sure. for these companies. And wow, wow. So what you're what you're saying, you you've really targeted your career to be able to do is to come in and help protect them from these breaches on a two uh, two factor angle where not only are you the engineer yeah. that understands how things should be set up correctly, but you understand the compliance and the requirements um, that the auditors are going to look for. Of course. So, man, you're already built to be in yes. charge of a team. So when are you stepping into the manager role, right? When are we seeing you in the leadership role? And that's, that's the difficulty, right? And I think that back to the whole uh, management versus technical person, mm -hmm. you know, it's am I going to have to take a, a, a cut just to manage a project versus be the, the lead guy, you know, doing the technical, you know? And I think that, especially for me, like I can be technical on this project over mm -hmm. here and then be technical on another project over here and they don't have to do anything with each other as well. And I could probably still work less than the manager on one of those projects. Do, do you want to know something that I, I've found is, just kind of they the two worlds are so well married that it just mm. makes sense entrepreneurship and if you're in tech of any kind right because if you're in tech you learn a lot about processes and kind of moving things from point a to point b 
versus in entrepreneurship, you can create your own projects, right? So why am I telling you this? It would be pretty amazing and one of, because one of the things that I'm telling a lot of guys that are trying to break into the industry is do projects, do projects, do projects. If you've, you've probably been on hiring teams where you've seen guys just get into a seat because they're working on projects. But I, I mean, the same thing applies if you're going up to the C-level uh, suite, right? Like what projects are out there where you could start working on, you know, larger management-based projects or architecture projects where you're leading an entire build for a nonprofit. And I, I know I'm just kind of throwing ideas out there. If you've actually done any of those projects, you probably are thinking, yeah, that's a lot of work. That's a huge undertaking. Um so obviously you have to balance it with your life, but you know, just throwing some ideas out there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, I think, uh, next five years, I'm definitely starting my own firm um, nice. and doing the work. And I think for me, I just want to, I just want to like treat it like deployments. Right. I just want to like, Hey, you got an issue. Let me come here. Let me fix it. And I'm out. That is the goal. So yeah. yes, because I think, I think you get the golden handcuffs after a while, right? Yeah. Where it's like, hey, we're going to pay you to sit here. Like, we're going to pay you to sit here. And your talent is going to be here, right? But it's only going to be here. Just wanted to record a little bit extra to tell you guys, we did end up losing like the last 10 minutes of the audio with myself and uh, Patrick. And what we were talking about in that time was the actual... Uh, achievement of what was the American dream for our families. Both of us have parents that come from a different country. His parents come from Haiti and my parents come from Barbados. And it was really a uh, big deal for both of us to make sure that we utilized that story in pushing ourselves forward. So I do want to mention that if you are a fellow first generation American or uh, an immigrant who is pursuing uh, the ideology of success and through tech in the corporate world, right? Maybe you're submitting for your visa, or maybe you have uh, children who are interested in tech, or maybe you're the first generation yourself, uh, first generation American yourself that is in the tech world. And you uh, definitely can relate to that pressure. Here are two people that are telling you, look, it does get easier. Uh, when you put in the time and you put in the work, it does pay off. And for those of you who listened, go be great.